1: This is Writing Excuses, Season 3, Episode 14, Worldcon with Mary Robinette Kowal.
2: Fifteen minutes long, because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. And I'm Mary.
1: We have at Worldcon World Mary Robinette Kowal. Kowal? Kowal. 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 <laughs> okay, we've had lots of discussions. Five about minutes of getting that pronunciation right have now been ruined. Um, Mary is a Hugo Award nominee Mm -hmm. this year for short story, won the Campbell Award for Best New Author, which I lost twice, but not against her. Um, (laughs) And um, has a short story collection coming out in November Mm -hmm. um, from Subterranean called uh, Scenting the Dark. Mm -hmm. And next year, debut novel from Tor, um, which is Shades of Milk and Honey. Correct. All right, and that's in the spring.
0: That's in the spring.
1: Okay, and we are going to talk about... um, using theater and film to learning from theater and film as we write or kind of adapting theater and film from what can we learn from theater and film okay another 5 minutes of explaining the topic mary you pitched this topic tell us what you mean
0: well for me one of the things is that as i'm a professional puppeteer so one of the ways that i approach it is using the vocabulary that I picked up as a puppeteer. Wait a
1: minute. professional puppeteer, really?
0: That is my day job. Wow, really? Like, yes. do you
1: build puppets for movies and things? Or um, do, is it like, or can you go into John Malkovich?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am John Malkovich. Um, I build for stage, predominantly. I perform okay. some for film and television. There's a show called Lazy Town. Um, so if you have a child in the two to four range. Um,
1: I watch Lazy Town. Yes. We don't need a child in the four range. We have Dan.
0: <laughs> well, apparently it's very popular with the two to four range and the college range for the drinking game that goes with it.
1: <laughs> I love lazy town.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, and, then, uh, and then I design shows and perform. I've been doing this. Uh, this is my 20th year as a professional puppeteer.
1: That is awesome. Yeah. That is like. I, I have a friend who I once introduced himself as a cartographer. I thought that was the coolest way to introduce yourself. No, puppeteer.
0: That is way cool. I don't know. I think cartographer is fantastic. All of my friends are puppeteers. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So you apply what mm-hmm. you learn from puppeteering to writing.
0: Yes. Um, for example, one of the things we talk about with puppetry is focus. Um, there, there's five principles. Focus indicates thought. What the puppet is thinking about is what it's looking at. Okay. Um, the same is true with with when you're writing, because as a writer, you can only show the audience one thing at a time. Okay. Um, you can you have to rely on their imagination to build that picture based on that one thing at a time you can show them. So when you're showing them something, you are controlling what they're thinking about. So what you are having them focus on needs to be what you want them to think about. And it's the same for the character. What wait, my character... wait a minute. You
2: just said the reader is the puppet, didn't you?
0: Yes, I did. I am manipulating the reader. And if you think it's anything else... No, 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 no.
2: No, that's <laughs> what... awesome because and I got this mental image that was just creepy. <laughs> it, the
1: reader is the audience, though. The, uh, in both. puppetry, uh, In puppetry, you're saying you point the puppet at something and the audience focuses on it. It's what the puppet is focused on. It's what the audience is focused on. Is that? Is that
0: what it, it's both. The okay. humans, hum, um, there's this form of puppetry called overt puppetry, um, which is where you can see the puppeteer. puppeteers in full view. So the puppet is looking at something. Humans are trained to look at what someone else is looking at. Like if, if I'm talking to you and I keep looking over your left shoulder, you are eventually going to turn oh, around to see what the heck I'm looking stop at. Stop doing that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the funny faces behind oh. you. Howard, stop that. (laughs) Um, So as a puppeteer, what I am looking at is what I want the audience to look at. I'm controlling what I want them to look at by what I'm focusing on. I'm also, as the puppeteer, controlling what what I'm saying about what my character is thinking about by what my character is looking at.
1: Okay, can I embarrass you? Sure. That's brilliant by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. I have never heard writing described that way. But it, that, is, that is brilliant. But it really is.
0: It's, this is the puppetry training.
1: Okay. So the first one is focus. I want to hear what the other four are. <laughs> I'm not going to let Howard or Dan talk. because one hear Oh, no, four.
0: I'm done. I'm all ears. <laughs> um, the second th- thing is breath. Uh, breath or rhythm. Um, so we say that focus indicates thought. Breath indicates emotion. Um, and breath can be, this is a Sorry, because some of this is going to be difficult because I normally do it with a visual. Um, But the speed at which you do something tells people how you feel about it. Um, The the easiest example is with breathing. Um, Tell me if you can... uh, I'll do uh, very aspirated breathing so it picks up. Um, If someone walks into a room and they're breathing like this, (laughs) you know what's happened. They've, They've just run in. If they walk into a room and they go,
1: <sighs> That means they just left Howard behind. Yes.
0: <laughs> um, but it's not just the... Um, it, it's you're, what you're doing is you're getting signals from the speed of the breath. So when you're writing, one of the things... You know, everyone talks about pacing. Like when you're, when you're writing an action scene, the sentences should be short and choppy. The reason... I think, is not because action is short and choppy. It's because writing was developed to convey the spoken word. When you do short, choppy sentences, it mimics the sound of someone talking very quickly in rapid breaths.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's very clever. A um, lot of readers don't pay attention to this, and even a lot of writers don't, but um, a lot of studies have shown that when we read, we actually we hear the words in our head. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how we do it. We're actually imitating, we're playing it out in our head. Um, speed reading, generally what they're teaching you to do is to ignore the voices in your head, um, so to speak. <laughs> it's to, to not hear it, and um, it's actually, when I tried to learn speed reading, it ruined reading mm-hmm. for me because it was no longer... And so I, I, I abandoned it. I didn't want to learn any more of that because when you're reading fiction, you really are playing it out. Right. Um, and it, up until re- modern years, people, when they would read, they would always speak it out. Even if you're just sitting in your room reading by yourself, they would read it out loud because that's mm-hmm. what you did. Um, and only now do we do it only in our head. But even still, we hear those words even if we don't think we are.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean... It, it seems so obvious, like, when you actually start talking about it, that because, but I think that what happens is that people get focused on the word and, like, oh, I'm, I'm writing words. And what we're really doing is we're storytelling, and the writing is just a way to capture it so that we can share it with people that we are not in the room with. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, it is a form of telepathy in many ways. Um, so, wow. what, it's not? <laughs>
1: Okay, you can't see it, but Howard is giving her this confused Howard look. He does this on occasion. (laughs) He's a cartoonist, you know, just, you know. he. he, Yeah.
0: yeah. But it it is. It's taking taking a, a, a thought that's in my head, and then I'm handing it to you, and I'm not in the room, and then you, if I've done my job, get the same thought in your head.
2: Okay. Well, oh, that's not telepathy. That's mind control.
0: Yes. I, I was invasive. worried. Okay, yes. mind
2: control I'm familiar with. Oh, that's with. fine then. I write, yeah. I write things down, and my goal is to write them down this month, and next month have people four continents away laugh.
1: Mm. Or sometimes say, you. Did he just draw that?
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that happens actually often.
1: All right, what's number three?
0: Okay, number, number
1: three. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm moving back and forth away from the, the microphone because I'm... Um,
0: because yeah. the microphone yeah, is clipped to, clipped to a book. <laughs> Long
1: story, it's Jordo's fault.
0: Um, so number three is muscle. Uh, muscle is the idea that the puppet is moving by itself. Even though it's obvious that a puppeteer is picking it up and moving it, you need to be able to create the illusion that it is moving of its own volition. So, um, and this also ties into focus. For instance, when a, when a, a puppet jumps up into the air, um, you have to bend the knees because you can't jump without bending your knees. When you go up in the air, the puppet looks up because it's thinking about looking up and when it comes down, it looks down because it's thinking about landing. The difference between a puppet landing like from a jump and a puppet falling is that a puppet landing looks down because that's where it's thinking about landing and a puppet falling thinks about where it's come from. So you're using you know, the two things we've talked about before, focus and thought, with muscle to create the idea that the puppet is moving by itself. The same thing happens with a book. If the audience can see the puppeteer, which is the author, moving the characters, then they're going to lose all interest, and they they will stop believing the book. They will break. It'll break.
1: Yeah, we we want narrative to be translucent. Mm-hmm. We don't want to see the 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 man behind the um, you know the Wizard of Oz hiding back there making everything happen. It's um, we often I often describe writing as like smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's much like magicianry. Um, but puppetry sounds kind of the same way.
0: It's very, They're very similar arts, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it sounds like yeah, the same principle is that you want uh, your characters to have solid motivations. Mm-hmm. That if it's obvious something is happening because the plot required it to happen, rather than because that's what the character would naturally do, it breaks that illusion of muscle that you're talking
0: about. Exactly so. And and also making sure that um, not just the character, but that the world also makes sense. Like, you know, the number of times that you you read something and clearly... Someone has not thought, like there's a tannery in the middle of the city, and, and a tannery could not physically be in the middle of the city because the neighbors would go insane from the, the uric acid that's being dumped into the streams. I mean, it, it's just, it wouldn't happen. So that's, that's a type of muscle where the, audience, the, the author is like, but I need the tannery in the middle of the city, and they aren't thinking about the natural physical consequences of those.
1: So the fourth principle of puppetry that applies to writing?
0: Is meaningful movement. Okay. And that idea is that with puppetry, uh, you, generally speaking, don't have facial expression. Everything that you've got is body language. Um, so it has to mean something every time the puppet moves. You'll see a lot of bad puppeteers who walk into a room and they bob the puppet's head up every time it says something. We, we call it head bobbing. Um, and very it's, descriptive. Thank very you. Nice. Yes. yes. <laughs> most, most puppetry t- vocabulary is, in fact... Just that bit blatant. Um, so the problem is that it's conveying no information. So you're just putting a lot of mud on the stage. My feeling is that when a character, any time a character is moving, again because I can only show the audience one thing at a time, that movement has to convey meaning. So you know, if I if my character decides to pick up a water glass, there has to be a reason that it's going for that water glass at that moment. Okay. So that it's conveying. Um, either an emotional content, plot content, that there's some meaning that that is conveying.
1: All right, so no extra words is what you're saying, don't...
0: No, I'm not saying no extra words. I'm saying, well, maybe it is no extra words. Um, I don't... It's not so much... It's more than that,
1: but it's not the head-bobbing thing. I thought of um, sometimes... We, we, in writing, talk about don't use adverbs and don't use said bookisms and things like that. Um, but I think one of the reasons we say that is because if you use them too much, when you do use them, they lack power. Is that kind no. of what? No. Okay.
0: Um, a, a lot of times, uh, again, you know, you, you know that there needs to be a pause in a piece of dialogue. So the, uh, it'll be something like the, the you know the main character is talking and she says, I don't like what you're saying to me. She looked away from him. I, I don't understand it at all. Okay. Uh-huh. She looked away is largely meaningless because there are many... Th- what is she looking at? Okay. So what, what you do is, I don't like what you're saying to me. She fiddled with the knife on the table. Uh-huh. I don't understand it. Uh-huh. So that fiddling with the knife on the table immediately starts to tell you what she's thinking about. Because she's, if she's going from, I don't understand what you're saying to me, to I need to play with this knife...
1: Yeah, put that knife down, please.
0: Yes. (laughs) The two things that I've done there is that I've given you some emotional content, and I've also set the scene. So I'm using that one thing I can show you at a time to do two things, and I've made that meaningful.
1: Okay, okay. That's also very clever. Um, (laughs) Yeah, go ahead, Dan. I was just going to say, an an obvious example of this uh, being used poorly is Jar Jar Binks. One of the reasons that people hated Jar Jar Binks, even though they didn't know it at the time, is because most of his movements were meaningless. Yes. They were showing off what they could do with this CGI puppetry, and his movement was so
2: loose and mm-hmm. fluid that it was distracting and it bothered you.
0: Yeah, It amazes me
2: that puppeteers call it head-bobbing and not jar-jarring.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's because it predates Jar Jar, and we don't want to claim him in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> wise, very wise. Um, all
1: right, Howard, um, you're going to give us the fifth principle. What would you come up with?
2: I came up with a writing prompt.
1: Oh, okay. All right, go for it. Cheater.
2: Yeah. that's just not cheating. So let's recap for a moment. What are these five principles, or Uh, these four principles? I wrote them
1: down. Let me see if I got them right. Focus, breath, muscle, and meaningful movement. That's it? Am I correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you do that, you can both be a brilliant puppeteer and a brilliant writer.
2: The fifth principle is the writing prompt. Okay. Create some sort of fantasy magical setting in which puppetry requires a fifth principle.
1: Ooh, magical puppets. All right. This has been Writing Excuses. Thank you very much, Mary. Thank you. And now you're all out of excuses. Now go write.
0: This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines.